And happy Tuesday for those joining us live to our weekly St. Andrew's Community Church podcast where uh, a group of us get together. We have some fun. Uh, I am uh, Associate Pastor Josh Coates. This is the other Associate Pastor. Bonnie Coates. And uh, normally the Senior Pastor, DA, is here with us, but he's on vacation this week. Um, supposed to be. He was here last night. I think he's planning on poking his head in at some point today, but tomorrow he's flying to Florida. Uh, his daughter Karis has a gymnastics meet in Orlando, and they're going to go spend a few days in the sun and warmth of Florida, which I'm a little jealous, which the weather here Super is not jealous. bad. But no, it's not bad at all. Much better than Florida. it was this weekend. Yeah. Um, and then but the man behind the scenes, uh, we've got Jeff joining us. Um, he's the one that makes sure that everything runs correctly. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, excited for, you know, a uh, little bit warmer weather to come through. I was appreciative of the snow, but, you know, uh, it's snow good. The snow was to, really pretty. Yeah, it was. It was nice and didn't mess up the streets too bad. So, I mean, that's, that's the kind of snow I'll take. Yeah, the snow that doesn't stick around very long, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with. Uh, we're also joined by uh, my two bobbleheads here, Iron Man or Tony Stark. Yeah. And uh, Spider-Man, Peter Parker. I'm a big Marvel Avengers fan. I love all the movies. I've seen them all. Well, I don't love all the movies. The last few movies haven't been all that great um, since Endgame. Such um, a hater. I'm, I'm a nerd. <laughs> but uh, the reason I chose them is because this last Sunday, DA and I did a, a kind of a joint sermon. It was a podcast format from the stage on Sunday morning. And uh, we wrapped up the series that we've been in. On It started with a covenant renewal service. Um, we talked about how we live in covenant with one another and with God. Um, talked about our mission of making disciples. And in the Global Methodist Church, um, the characteristics of making disciples who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. And this Sunday, uh, two days ago, we wrapped all of that up by uh, talking about making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And as I was looking at my bobbleheads, uh, if, if you're familiar with the movies, if you've seen uh, the, the latest ones, um, Peter Parker is kind of an apprentice to yeah. Tony Stark in the Spider-Man movie. He uh, is discipled um, by Tony Stark. And so as we're talking about making disciples, um, they came to mind. And so that's why they're joining us today. Um, like I mentioned, we did do a different sermon this week yeah. than normal. Um, we've got some good feedback. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I know DA and I enjoyed it. But as a result, we have done, I have done a lot of talking <laughs> on this subject, and I've got a few more things to add and, and stuff, but um, I really want to hear from Bonnie today. She didn't get an opportunity to be there with us because she was working with the children Sunday, and so I know she has lots of thoughts on making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Yeah. And so um, yeah. one of the thoughts that we laid out out there that I would love to get your thoughts on is... Um, each of us in the discipleship-making process, we should have those that are further in, along in their faith journey mm -hmm. who are discipling us, who are investing in us, um, and we should also have those that aren't quite as far along in their faith journey that we are discipling and we are investing in. Yeah. Um, and so that was one of the kind of the main points that we we brought up as we looked at Second Timothy chapter one. So I'm going to kind of turn it over to you. Yeah. I know you've got lots of thoughts, and, and I'll kind of jump in here and there. 
Um, I just, I really like that thought. And I think that um, a reason that it's really helpful is that um, as you try to mature um, as a Christian, as you are, are led through the process of sanctification, I'm going to throw out that fancy word, uh, becoming more Which is and God more. God producing righteousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and becoming more and more um, like Jesus, essentially. Right. Um, as you do that, um, the, part of it is that, you know, there are going to be people who are already ahead of you. Um, who have experienced things that you either have not experienced or are currently experiencing that can guide you through those things. Um, and just the importance of, um, of testimony is so important for our Christian faith. It's like the more that we can tell one another, this is how I've seen God work in my life, and then kind of relate to those things. It's just, it's just, it, it, increases our faith that much more right um so i think like having someone who's in front like ahead of you in the game um like having someone who can tell you well this is what i did when i went through that situation or here's a similar situation that i've been through or here are some ways that god has really shown up in my life through that stage or that phase that you're in right and just, um, and think about in other aspects of our lives yeah yeah right how how incredibly important and helpful it is to have that in all areas of our lives i know that when we were young parents yeah yeah um and and you literally have no idea what you're doing. It was so incredibly helpful that we knew and had those that we looked up to in the yeah. church and in relationships who were further along, who had children that were a few years older than our yeah. kids. And they had been through what it was like to have a baby with colic who just wants to cry all the time yeah. and who yeah. won't sleep. Yeah. And I hear, try this and try that. And read um, this book. And yeah, yeah which is, is so helpful. And so in, in that yeah. area of life, it was so incredibly important. And so yeah. how much more so is it in following Jesus? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then likewise, like it's super important to be investing your time and energy in those who are younger than you. Yeah. And I would say this is not just well, not even like, necessarily younger. Just I mean, it could be well, someone right, older yeah. than you that is a new Christian. That yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone older than you discipling you and someone mm -hmm. younger than you you're discipling. It could be someone the same, the same age, age, someone could, older or yeah. younger who just isn't as far along in their faith journey because yeah. they are are new to giving their life to Christ. Or yeah. if it's a someone younger than you, but they've been following Jesus their whole lives and you've just started in, in the last few years. So it doesn't necessarily have to be connected oh, yeah. to age. No, I appreciate you pointing that out. Because I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. But you were all right. I, and but that's that's part of why I think it's so important to be a part of um, of a church in, right. in some instance. Like because wouldn't it be nice? Like I, I consider you know looking at our college ministry experience. Like how great it is to be around people who are just your own age. But like there's a there's a part that's missing. Like you don't have the people that are are ahead of you um, who can tell you kind of like what you should expect in the in the future years or um, encourage you when you're going through those hard times. Uh, in the same way, you don't always have those people who are like much, much younger than you to remind you of what's important, um, to remind you of of. Um, um, the importance of a childlike faith, yeah, um, and and finding joy in little things, and I think those are, that's in, it's just important, and I think that's why um, why the body of Christ looks the way that it does. That's part of why we're supposed to be in a church and a, a part of a church community. Yeah, um, it's because we're not supposed to do this whole faith thing on our own. Right. When you, so. I mean, it's something I've mentioned multiple times. There's never been a time in the history of the world mm -hmm. where there was only one follower of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus yeah. called two brothers to yeah. drop their nets and come follow him. 
Um, and so, yeah, we're meant to do this in community. We're meant to share life together, follow Jesus together. One of the things that we didn't really get to um, in the sermon on Sunday that um, that you that you asked that I think is yeah. a great question that I think uh, is great, I would love to hear your thoughts on is how do you find it if you don't have it? In terms of these discipleship relationships, yeah. in terms of those investing and discipling you and you investing and discipling others, where do you start? How do you yeah. how do you get that if you don't currently have that? And that wasn't necessarily something that we we hit on. And so um, I think it's a great question and would love to get your thoughts. And, and I've got a few thoughts. One way is to serve in ministries that that help with those specific things. Like if you are, are serving in a, a capacity of like helping out with evangelism, you're going to meet people who are not, who are either young in their faith or have no faith at all that you can help lead them. If you're serving in student ministry or in children's ministry, you're going to meet people who need help and guidance and college ministry. Same thing too. Like right. you're going to, you're, you're going to meet people um, and be put into situations where you can, um, you can help guide them along in their faith. So I think that that's probably the first thing I think of. Um, I think as far as, as, um, reaching out to somebody who is older than you, I think the same thing applies, like (laughs) not just hanging out with the people who are your own age, um, but like exploring and getting to know people and serving with people who are older, um, and, and understanding that their wisdom is important. Um, that they're, and then at the same time, like looking at the traditions of the church and realizing that that right there, that's a, that, that's wisdom of the faith that you can gain from, from the past um, as well. So I wrote down three things as I was thinking about it. The first thing I wrote down was baby steps. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is because if you don't currently have those discipleship relationships and you desperately want them. Um, I, I think we want it all right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my encouragement is to take baby steps yeah. um, because um, the next thing I wrote down was organic or natural. I think the mm-hmm. most yeah. fruitful or successful discipleship relationships mm-hmm. are those that happen organically. Yeah. Um, now, that's not to say that if two people are placed together in a discipleship relationship um, that don't know each other, that that can't be successful or fruitful because I've heard stories where that is. But my experience has been it comes from relationships. Yeah. It comes from uh, having that community. You know, you mentioned serving. Um, when we are serving alongside others, relationships are formed, trust is built, and I think that is an organic, natural way to connect with someone and then that grow into a discipleship relationship. Um, and so serving uh, being a part of the church, being a part of a small group, or coming on midweek and eating dinner with and fellowshipping with people, and then sitting at that table and having faith discussions, um, which that's the format of midweek right now in, in this Lent series and the season of Lent, which we'll talk a little bit about here in a little bit, um, is it's a combination of total group teaching where I'm teaching something, and then a com- and then combined with sitting around a table with four, five, six, seven other people and having faith conversations. And so that's where discipleship relationships can happen naturally is when you are part of a bigger group Bible study and those types of things. And then those relationships naturally happen. And then the last thing I wrote down was intentional. It's not going to happen by accident. You know, we talk about intentional discipleship. We have to be intentional with it. It doesn't just happen 
by chance yeah. or by mistake or by accident. Um, it, it We have to be intentional with it. Which so, means sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone and you have to ask people. Like right. that's, the, hey, if you see that you want this in your life, you have to reach out and ask people if they'll be a part of it. And I think that's, that's kind of one of those things you can't just assume that it's going to naturally happen. You right. have to take that bold step. Um, to ask yeah. in some instances. So. And one of the things that um, that we talked about was how the foundation of Timothy's faith was mm-hmm. laid by his grandmother and his mother. It yeah. was laid by Paul. We talked about the importance of discipleship in the home. Uh, you know, we talked about faith is oftentimes more caught than taught. Yeah, I love um, that phrase. And so I wanted to yeah. get your thoughts on those things because, you know, Bonnie and I, if you don't know, we're married and we have yeah. a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old. And uh, I think there's things that we've done that we believe we're successful and really good in trying to disciple our kids and, and have discipleship at home. And then there, there are things that I think we've done and we've tried that maybe weren't as successful as we had hoped. Um, and so yeah. uh, we might talk a little bit about that, but I want to get your thoughts on this faith being caught versus taught and discipleship in the home and, and what you and, and what we do in children's ministry to help come alongside families and helping them and resourcing them in that? Well, our curriculum specifically for children's ministry is this curriculum called Orange Curriculum, which I just love so much because it um, the, the color orange becomes from the idea that if church is yellow, like church is the light of the world, and then if you're, the home is a, um, red, so like a heart, like a um, like love, the color of love, right? When you put those two together, you get orange. Um, and the idea is that the church can only accomplish so much um, when it's like one day a week or and basically like one hour a week. So that, yeah, that way, I mean, you get 52 hours essentially, which is what, like two days, two and a half days basically of, of explaining um, and, and trying to lay this foundation of faith if you are a part of the church. We don't get a whole lot yeah, of time. It, it ends up being a little bit more than that. Yeah. I mean, you factor in VBS and yeah, camp yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But also, that's, basic. that's, that, that's yeah. also assuming that everyone comes 52 Every weeks week. out of yeah. the year. So yeah, I mean, uh, the point I think is valid is that we have such, in the grand scheme of things, we have such little time with, little the, with the children that, yeah. um, and with, with kids is that um, we want to do everything we can to support and encourage discipleship in the home and empower that in the home yeah. and really be a support system for that um, rather than the be all end all of discipleship. Yeah, absolutely. Because they, I mean, parents, families, you get the rest of the week. I mean, part of the day is obviously at school and that's, that looks different for many families, but the rest of the week, your, your families get that. And so if we can use that time, that time is precious. Yeah. Um, and then, so if families and the church can come together with the intention of bringing up and raising disciples um, and, and kids who really love Jesus and know that they're loved by Jesus, um, that it, it's better. That's just the way it, that it is. It's a better idea. Yeah, and one so of the one of the things that I mentioned Sunday, um, and how we try to resource yeah. and equip families and parents and grandparents um, are, is the the resource wall down in the yeah. CLC. That's a big blue wall. As you walk into the gym, you look to your right. We got shelves, and we've got all kinds of resources there. And and one of the things that you know, calendar that you know, informational stuff, but also I think um, these booklets are so incredibly yeah. important. And I just grabbed four. There's one for every age from birth all the way to senior year in high school. And each one is tailored to that specific phase that your child is in, 
with great information about how to connect with them, what they're going through. And so like, I wanted to read a few of these things. So this is for the one-year-old. It says, the phase when nobody's on time, everything's a mess, and one eager toddler will insist, I can do it. Um, Having two children who were toddlers at one point, that is incredibly accurate. Um, And then it's just full of information of where they are physically and verbally and emotionally and mentally um, and, and how we can, you know, knowing that information helps us meet them where they are, helps us understand them more, what they're going through, and equips us to better disciple them. Um, so you've got the, uh, the first grade one. You want to yeah. read that, that one? Um, it, this just says, uh, the phase when unfiltered words make you laugh, school drop-off makes you cry, and life becomes a stage where your kid shouts, look at me. Um, and they usually, I think that they say... Um, but this period of time, your kid is like a scientist. Like they want to provoke discovery, right. um, and e- everything is is like a science experiment, which I think is so cool. And then we got sixth grade, the phase when there's never enough groceries, too many hormones, and a dramatic kid that needs someone to prove who cares. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then such a hard age. Twelfth grade, the phase when your emerging adult pulls away and gets closer, does things for the last time, and you both start asking what's next. And so, like I said, this is a resource. We have dozens of each of these. These are there not for you just to pick up and look through, but to grab one at whatever phase, whatever age your child or grandchild's in. Grab one of those, take them home, read them, study them. They're, They're not long. You can read through this in probably five, 10 minutes, but they're incredibly helpful in understanding our, your children and grandchildren and what they're going through. One of my favorite things about these is these are a part of a project that the people who put out the curriculum that we use um, put together. And um, it was a project called Just a Phase. Um, and their whole tagline was, it's just a phase, so don't miss it. Um, which I think is just like incredible. Like that hits me right in my heart because I'm like, man, we only have this long with our kids. Like we, right. you have... <clears throat> You know, 18 years, which is, that seems like a lot, but then like you think about how many, how many loose teeth does that mean? How many, how many visits from the tooth fairy? How many Christmases do you get? How many summer vacations do you get? How many first days of school that you get? Another thing that they have that they put out is there is a, um, an app called Parent Q that you can use and you can put your children in. And this is the, like the craziest thing to see you pull it up and this is my son Eli and Eli's a freshman and what it does on here is for each of your kids it'll say so and so number of weeks until they move on to what's next um and so that hits like so right now Eli has 233 weeks until he moves on to essentially adulthood right which 233 weeks does not sound like much. And so what, what we can do with that app is uh, yeah. after the podcast, maybe you can drop yeah. a comment in yeah. the comment section of this uh, video with that um, so that people yeah. that are interested can can click on that and, and, and download that app because I do think it's really helpful. So what um, what has discipleship in our house look like? Um, the I've, good, the bad and the ugly. Man. Um, that's a really great question. I look back at our lives and I'm like, here are some things that I, I know that we've done right. And here are some things that I know that we've done wrong. Um, I think one of the things that I think that we've done right is that we, um, we lay down the expectation that, that as grownups, we can apologize to, yeah. like we can ask for forgiveness. If we have messed up, um, which we do a lot, 
probably me more than you. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> um, is, is we we apologize to our kids. We we tell them we're sorry. We we express remorse and regret, and then we ask for forgiveness. And we've modeled that to them and with them with them. Um, I think sometimes parents think that they are too above that. Like that's just kids kid things. Like you can't like if I apologize to my kid, then that means that um, I'm wrong and they're not going to respect me anymore. But it's it's so much more than that. It's it's laying down this foundation of this is what you do. When you've messed up, you confess it um, and you do what you can to fix it. Yeah, you model yeah. model it. You know, we talked about caught versus taught. Yeah. That's part of it is how are we living our faith out in front of them? Because they're always looking, even when we don't think they are. Mm-hmm. Even when we think they're in their bedroom with the door closed and music going and they can't hear or see anything, um, they are constantly seeing how we live our faith out and how much we really do believe what it is that we say we believe. And in in our case, what it is that we're teaching on a weekly basis at church. Um, And so that part of it's so important. Some of the things I thought of, (laughs) some of the things I thought of is like when they were really little, there was this uh, children's Bible that we would sit in their bed at night and read stories from. It was, is it like the Jesus storybook Bible? Bible, Incredible, incredible resource and Bible. Make Um, make me cry like all the time. (laughs) Yeah. It it weaves Jesus in all the stories from Genesis to Revelation, um, as you read those stories. Um, and, uh, and so that's one thing that we, we did intentionally when they were little, um, as we've gotten, as they've gotten older. And I guess as we've gotten older, um, some of the things that we've tried that I think sometimes hit and miss is the Bible app on the phone (laughs) has devotionals that you can share with others. And so we've, we've attempted to start different devotionals and share that and do that as a family. And it's kind of been hit or miss, um, probably not as successful as we had hoped, but it's at least something, right? Um, another thing is like, I've been uh, as, uh, someone who's been involved in youth ministry as the youth minister, um, very intentional about when I'm involved specifically in discipling and teaching them and when I'm not and and encouraging others to speak into their lives. Yeah, yeah, Uh, Because I don't want it to just be me all the time. Um, And so I'm really like proud of the fact that we've got people that invest in our children here at the church that are small group leaders and go to camp and on mission trips with them and, and are um, and discipling them in that way. Uh, but then also they're involved in things at school, which yeah. I was never involved with in those things. They're FCA and, um, and part of, you know, discipling in that is, you know, being willing to sit in the parking lot at nine o'clock at night yeah, on a yeah. Monday when I would rather be at home resting because our son wanted to be at FCA yeah. um, or, you know, on Friday mornings, when he is going to a small group with his friends at school at 7.30 in the morning, um, I would rather sleep in a little bit later. But um, uh, I'm very intentional about anything that you want to do, FCA, small group, Bible studies. You know, Addie is starting a new small group and a new FCA at her school as a seventh grader. And so just doing everything you can to come along and support them in the things that they're wanting to do that maybe don't necessarily happen within the walls of your home, I think is an, an important piece of that as well, that that we're now seeing the fruit of 
as having two teenagers now that, that can do those things. I think one of the things that has been sweetest for me um, is praying with our kids before they go to bed. Um, and that's just kind of one of those things that we, we started when they were teeny, teeny, tiny, yeah. uh, just putting them to bed. And um, we always had like a bedtime routine and we always have prayed with them before bed. Um, and, you know, Addie's 13, Eli's 14, almost 15. Um, and Eli doesn't necessarily want us to tuck him in or anything like that so much anymore. And he's always staying up a little bit later than we are. But every now and then he'll be like, hey, can you tuck me in and pray for me? <laughs> and he'll like ask for it. And it's so right. sweet. <laughs> Um, and then Addie, to this day, 13-year-old, she's like, nope, you're going to come and you're going to tuck me in because she knows. And I've asked her, you're like, why do you like doing this? And she's like, because I like being prayed over. And I love that. And it just gives us an opportunity to be like, okay, well, what what, is, what are you worried about? What do we need to pray about together? And then she hears us praying over her. Like, we pray out loud. And then... Um, it, there have been times when we pray for like the future and we're like praying for what, whoever your future spouse is, or if you have a spouse with in your future family and your future job, um, and just putting down these foundations of prayer that they maybe one day can look back and be like, man, we, I, I prayed for this a long time ago. My mom prayed for this a long, long time ago. Um, and one of the things I love, one, my, one of my, um, my uh, professors right now, one thing that he has talked about, he's written a book about um, discipleship in the family, is that he talks about how you should pray four generations ahead. Like prayers are powerful. So not only just praying for your children, but praying for your grandchildren and then praying for your grandchildren's children. Um, and just... I, I, so I, I, I think that that's just really important. Yeah, so. that's cool. Um, so I encourage you, uh, think of ways that you can make discipleship more of an emphasis and be more intentional at home. And yeah. uh, leave comments, reach out to Bonnie and I if there are ways that the church or we can come alongside and help encourage or resource uh, or answer yeah. questions. Um, that's, that's our heart and, um, and why we're here. And so uh, we would love for that. Encourage you to, if, if you didn't see Sunday's sermon where DA and I talked uh, about a lot of other things out of Second Timothy chapter one, uh, to, to check that out. Um, we're coming close to the end of our time, yeah. but the word of the week this week is Lent. Is Lent tomorrow yes. starts the season of Lent. Um, so what is Lent beyond well, it's what is in the dryer that you have to pull yeah, out? And when you when you talk about in the, the Christianese world, most of the time, and the Christianese is like the language of the church that is thrown around that people don't always understand if they're not a part of the church, right? Um, so the Christianese term for Lent is like this idea of giving it up for Lent. So you might hear that a lot, um, hear it in songs or whatever. Um, but when you, when you hear the term Lent, um, it's not the stuff that's in your dryer, um, and it's not, um, I don't know, it, 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 you, yeah, I think you have a little bit more understanding yeah, of it than I do. But It's a, it's a season of 40 days, yeah. not counting Sundays, yes. that starts at Ash Wednesday. Um, and, and you might wonder, why is Easter a different date every year, right? Mm -hmm. Because Christmas is December 25th. Every single year, doesn't matter, day of the week. But Easter bounces around. It's always on a Sunday, but like this year it's March 31st. And last year it was like sometime late in April. And it just kind of bounces around. And the way that works is the, uh, my understanding is it's based on uh, when a new moon, and I don't know if it's the first new moon, second new moon, I, I don't know those specifics, but it's based on the lunar calendar of a new moon. And then 
that's what sets when Ash Wednesday is. And then obviously uh, Easter is 40 days plus Sundays after that. And so depending on that new moon every year is what sets Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday bounces around, which causes that to bounce around. But Lent is the season that starts with Ash Wednesday. It's at 40 days, not counting Sundays. Why 40 days, Josh? Well, Jesus spent 40 days in the yeah, wilderness, yeah, in the desert, yeah. being tempted. Uh, and it's a season of self-reflection, of repentance, of re- of of prayer um, and preparing our hearts as we journey towards Easter and celebrating the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and Ash Wednesday is tomorrow. We have yeah. our Ash Wednesday service at 6.30. Um, we, we're encouraging everyone to fast tomorrow, um, if, if you're able. Um, we'll break the fast together at 5.30 with dinner Um and, uh, and then Ash Wednesday service at 6.30. It really weirds me out that it's Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. I just want to throw that out there. It's really been, it's been troubling my heart, and I don't know why. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Are you guys feeling the same way? I think it's kind of weird. I, I want to just I don't. Like, I don't. It, I don't know. It's weird. Maybe it's just because I've never really cared about Valentine's Day. <laughs> But uh, so dinner, 530, Ash Wednesday service at 630. Yeah. Lots of things are going on, right? Ash Wednesday is the kickoff of this season of repentance. And yes. so it's a service of repentance, of recognizing um, where we don't necessarily align with God um, and where uh, we can confess those sins and repent. And um, you can come down after the at the end of the service and ashes are placed on your forehead and we say, repent and believe the gospel. Um, and uh, our Lenten study this year is the seven last words of Jesus from the cross. And so we will kick that off tomorrow night um, with uh, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, which was the first statement that he spoke from the cross. Um, booklets are available in the, the church lobby. You can pick those up if you're here tomorrow. They're also available online. Jeff has made them really easy to, to get to uh, on the website right at the top. It says 2024 Lenten Study. You click on that. You can download the digital copy of it. Um, it's also available in the app. Um, I think we'll have some Facebook posts. So um, if you don't have the hard copy of that, you can still um, continue to journey with us in that. Um, So a lot of things going on, a lot of things to be excited about. We hope that you will join us for those things. We kick off a new sermon series this Sunday, looking in Matthew 23. And the uh, the seven woes that Christ had for the uh, for the hypocrites, for the Pharisees. And what what does what does that mean for us today in this season of Lent as we're self-reflecting? Um, what do those seven woes have to do with us? How do um, we stop being hypocrites? Yeah, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna look at, at all of that starting this Sunday. Um, so we hope you'll join us online nine nine or nine or ten thirty or in person. Um, and uh, any any closing thoughts from you? Just want to say thank you guys for joining us today. Um, we love you guys. That's it. You guys have a great week, and uh, we look forward to hearing your comments and thoughts on how you disciple at home and how we can help you in that. Yeah. God bless.